Hello and welcome to another episode of InsureTech Business Series. Uh, we're excited to be coming to you today and I hope you are doing fine. I hope uh, your week has started great. Uh, so my name is Damola Oloko and as usual, I'm joined by... Polumi, um, you're welcome to our podcast today. Um, it's nice having, you know, you listen to our conversations we hope that you enjoyed today's episode as it's entirely different from what we've been doing. Um, we are, you know, um, we decided to bring in young veterans in the industry to have discussions around certain events in the industry. Um, you know, some of the trending topics in the industry. It's really an interesting one because here you can see how, you know, the Gen, not Gen Z, but say um, millennials actually. Um, yeah, yeah. The way they perceive the industry and what exactly yeah. they want out of the industry, which I think it's a good thing. Not that we're just having conversations with you know people that are experienced or that have spent years in the industry. We also need a fresh perspective from people that are upcoming in the industry. I, I like the fact that we're having this conversation with these people because, I mean, the future of the nation or even this industry is in the hands of the millennials even the Gen Z. So hearing from their own perspective is quite important. I mean, both of us are millennials, right? So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, I mean, it's been quite interesting hearing from um, the more experienced heads, like you said. But, you know, looking at it from another, a fresh pair of eyes is, is quite good. You know, so we can hear what they have to say and see how we can adjust. So yeah, it's going to be quite interesting and uh, we look forward to that conversation. So we'll join that after the short break. Exactly. Alright, so um, thank you guys for agreeing to join in. I mean, it's um, wonderful having you guys um, on our podcast. So we can discuss, you know, some of the insurance um, happenings and there's no better persons that we could have contacted other than the two of you. So thank you very much. All right. Can you guys like, um, you know, give us a brief introduction of yourself? I will start with um, Uluwashion. Then we can move on to our other panelists, Abdullahi Adekombi. Uh, like you mentioned, my name is Oluwashion Gundolier. Um, I've been in the insurance industry for about four years now. Yeah, I work in uh, life technical. Okay. Um, do purely underwriting and risk management, especially for life-based um, risk. I'm a student member of uh, CIN also. Oh, nice. And, um, I also have very keen interest in uh, human resources. Uh, oh, okay, that's good. Member, yeah, I'm an member of uh, Chartered Institute of Personnel Management Nigeria. Oh, wow. I'm an associate member of the um, Human Resource Education Institute in the U.S. So, um, so wow. I have some kind of little knowledge here and there. So, and I'm I'm glad that you considered me someone uh, that you could bring to this kind of platform. Abdullah, I would like to know about you and our audience as well. My name is Abdullah Adekongi. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a cool guy, shy, but I work with <laughs> my insurance company for like, I have like a four years experience in this industry. I've, I've okay. worked, I probably work with Cornerstone Insurance and I currently work with NCI Insurance. Okay. I have experience in audit and control. Okay. Although I'm a student member of CIN too, although I've completed the exam, just waiting for the normal five years to, to, be, a, to be an associate. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. Then I'm also, and I'm also a student member of ICANN. Congratulations in advance. <laughs> I mean, that's appropriate. <laughs> Not to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So we would like to, I mean, because of our time, and I do understand that you might obviously have some other things that you're doing as well. So we just like to, you know, review some of the happenings in the insurance industry. 
And um, I would like to start with um, Waikari. So it says here that Waikari, oh, we'll be reviewing the business day um, report. So just highlight about what exactly is going on in the industry. So Waikari grows premium by 21% to $70 million. What, 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 in your own opinion, what would you think this is for the um, insurance industry? Um, I'll go first with um, Abdullahi. An increase in premium for an insurance company or insurance company reflects a, a penetration. It can reflect two things, either penny, more penetration or increase in premium. We all know that for this industry, the rating has actually been very, very low compared to the standard ratings. But over time, people are beginning to understand the fact that you have to rate well to be able to pay claims. And if you have an increase in premium, it's either... They've, they've been an improvement in the rating or they've been an improvement in the penetration of in the industry of, of insurance to the population. Because most more businesses are going retail now. Some companies have a lot of retail businesses and having more risk means that you have to also reinsure. So for Waikari to have more premium means actually means they have more businesses from their seeding companies, which is the insurance companies. Sean, what do you think about this? Do you think this is um, the actual position in the market or um, what exactly would be your own opinion? Tamara, you as well. So what, what I see here is that um, this, uh, the, the increase in premium for Waikari shows that there has been, it shows the reaction of uh, insurance companies, especially in this period. It's a, it's, I feel it's a reaction. For instance, what I mean is, you know, the job of reinsurance basically is to kind of um, carry risk for uh, insurance companies, basically. Now, a lot of insurance companies are beginning to see the need to seed uh, their risks, especially even the need to seed more risk to reinsurance, especially in a period like this. So uh, you find, especially in some the, the, the period like this, as you notice claims have risen, and most insurance companies are trying their best to as much as take away majority of that risk from themselves and transfer it to something to the reinsurance. In this case, this period is more like they are gaining right now because. Well, we might not say, but at least in terms of increase in businesses, the reaction in the market has caused them to benefit in terms of the premium increase. So everybody is afraid. Oh, okay, I want to reduce my reduce my liability to the barest minimum. So I'm ready to willing to cede more risk to the reinsurance at this time and then carry lesser of my risk. So a lot of insurance companies are you know, when you increase what you are seeding to the reinsurance company, automatically, the range, you are paying more premium. Mm. You know, so that that's what I see. So I see that change. I see that that reaction to what is going on right now. And companies, insurance companies say, no, let's seed more of the risk and let's try as much as possible to manage our portfolio so we don't go down in a period like this. I'm looking at that report, right? It's, so it, I, I hear I hear what you guys have said, and my my point or question now is: these are 2019 figures, right? And um, 2020 has started, you know, the way it is with the pandemic, and like you mentioned, a lot of insurance companies will be looking to seed more businesses to um, to reinsurance, and like Abdullah mentioned, people going towards retail now and uh, you know all of those things would contribute to you know reinsurance in more businesses now I, I know that for example um, <clears throat> the pandemic situation now is really rejigging how we do our business right so how or what, what role do you think um, reinsurance would play in really enabling uh, insurers to digitize their their processes to provide more innovative products, you know, because I think that with the pandemic we cannot continue the way you know we we used to to do. 
Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adebo Ali Banjo. I'm co-founder, CEO at MyCover.ai, and we are building Africa's digital insurance infrastructure. For the latest news on insurance technology in Africa, keep listening to InsurTech Business Series and stay updated. This pandemic period has been, this year particularly, has been a tough year for the industry. First of all was the the normal the the the, the back the backlash in investments because most of mm. most of the companies have always gone back to investment income when the the whole underwriting profit or loss has backed in on them. So it's I I see this year as a kind of a year where we need to do things differently in terms of our underwriting. Now the rate until Nikon came with the six per meal for group life at a point. Mm. This group life was basically almost free for some companies mm-hmm. because we we compete with different ratings and other things. Now this is a year to we need to start rating insurance as as insurance, not just as for us to just get the premium. Mm-hmm. We need to start rating appropriately because the pandemic seems like it's a bit relaxed now, mm-hmm. but it's still the, the COVID nineteen is still occurring. We have seen some deaths. And very soon, we'll start seeing those claims coming to our companies as um, group, either group life claim or individual life claim. I'm very sure if, quote unquote, a few or a, a portion of those people that have lost their life to the pandemic will actually come to claim that yeah. to their company's group life or exactly. in one way or the other. Exactly. So we need, the insurance needs to help us in kind of being the technical parts. They need to stand their ground on these rates. If reinsurance yeah. is saying, we need to rate better. I'm very mm. sure the insurance company will too rate better because they know that once they, they can't see anybody to give back, to give the risks to or mm. reinsure the risks with, mm. they will always do better at the underwriting. So mm. it's best for the insurance company to stand their ground now, enforce better rating, enforce better underwriting, not just rating alone. Underwriting, underwriting goes beyond just getting a document. Let's let's have let's make it more scientific, not just mm. be uh, not just pay premium. Submit document and after three months you come and file for claim. No, let's just make it more scientific. Let's rate, let this rating become more scientific. Let people let's take part in the new technical insurance, not just just doing documentation and so because it seems the pandemic is going to is a bit relaxed, but the numbers are increasing every day. So you have, you have to just be careful and because and once the numbers are increasing, the proportion of death claim will also be increasing. And in this year, mm. some companies will pay enough death claim. Then you mm. imagine they will pay throughout the whole year. At, at, we are just yeah, the of the year. So mm. we need to we need to really they need to help us in terms of the underwriting, the, the rates, standard rating and trades for our staffs too. Oh, okay. Uh, so for, for I mean this plays very much into um the court for um, Sheon now, for example, you work with underwriting and definitely you work around with ratings and and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, I, I hear what what, what Ablai has, has said, right? Um, so, my, my 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 question for you now is: so, I mean, how how okay? So, first thing is, why has it have you struggled with the whole rating thing, you know, for so long? And and how important is it now for us to actually go back and actually rate correctly? Okay, um, thank you very much. Um, basically, rating has been a big issue in the industry, in the insurance industry, right in Nigeria, because it's not everywhere in the world. It's I think it's peculiar to Nigeria. Okay, because uh, when you hear of insurance ratings and the way underwriting is done other clients you see that there's a lot that goes into underwriting mm-hmm. you you look at the risk you are carrying and then you try to rate appropriately in accordance with that risk you are about to take in okay. you know there's a process to it for instance in the u.s um, you can't just wake up and say oh, i want to take a comprehensive insurance for instance and then you just walk into an insurance company and then they tell you okay we are rating you two percent the same no there, there are certain things there are certain there are certain criteria that determine your rate they look at your your age they look at your driving experience 
you know, and all these things come together to factor in your rates. And you discover that the way the, those things are here in theory, but we don't practice it. And this is because of the high and unhealthy competition in the insurance industry in Nigeria. Now, what do I mean by unhealthy competition? Majority of insurance companies are just looking to outdo the other. You have everybody trying to price at the lowest, give the lowest rates just to get a business, especially when the business looks, the premium looks juicy. Uh, wow, this premium is big. Uh, let's collect it. Uh, let's take it from these guys. You know, but nobody's looking at the impact of the risk. Mm. In the event of a claim, you discover that you are actually not making anything from the business. But a lot of insurance companies they take businesses by faith. Oh uh, well, let's just take it. The business is big. Uh, the premium is high. You know, we can drop rates. So it became it now a rate battle in Nigeria. That's one mm. thing that's made it difficult to do correct underwriting. And we thank God for Nikom, like Abdullah pointed out that said, okay, let them create a bar. You can't do six per meal for group life, for instance. And then you discover that yes, we can't go below six per meal and then some insurance companies started trying to know, encourage brokers to go through backdoor and try and get some discounts and you know it's a systemic issue it's a systemic issue even the government itself you know it's, it's a total systemic failure in terms of that nobody's keeping through even even to that six per meal and everybody trying to outwit each other you have riders now uh, on on these policies that they okay they will attach riders to the group life and want to probably give it out for free mm. not until um we reach the nia has to reach a decision recently that no riders should be given out for free at least something must be charged and then you're having a situation where some insurance companies are charging as low as 15 era on some riders which is basically nothing. <laughs> so you know, the price, yeah, the price, the, so the price competition, the unhealthy company has made it difficult to rate appropriately. So when somebody's, the broker brings businesses to uh, five insurance companies to quote, and then you are, you are taking yourself as the underwriter that can do correct underwriting, and you're probably quoting what you sh- think should be the break-even at worst. Somebody is quoting, giving at practically free the price. When you lose one, lose two, lose three, your management is going to come to you and say, ah, Oga, are you sure you know what you are doing? You better follow the, lead. <laughs> the trend. So that's what's going on. So it's, everybody is, so until that is fixed, we, we may find it very, very, it will take a very long time for us to come together as an industry and say, and begin to rate appropriately. COVID-19's impact, we had a situation when the pandemic started. Um, one of our reinsurers immediately sent out the circular saying that we should stop um, on the... Uh, we, we should quickly prove... Most insurance companies try to quickly create a clause around pandemic. Mm. You know, trying to prevent anybody from claiming, claiming on as a result. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, but, but after much deliberation, that has been taken away for now. So some companies took, you can, they, uh, they can actually make those claims. Mm. But it goes back to tell you that if you are not rated appropriately before the pandemic, yeah, on then you take the fall for yes. it. Yes. Yeah. The sad news is that insurance companies, despite taking the fall over the years, still don't learn their lesson. A couple of insurance companies have gone underground because of this, but mm. it's still a problem. The prayer like most people have been saying is that okay let it keep happening those who are doing the right thing will finally survive and then we'll have an industry with only those people that are doing appropriate training and so that's what everyone is waiting for right now so i hope that will happen let's see what goes on from there <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, I've heard you guys, and I couldn't help but notice that um, 
I mean, speaking about racing, speaking about insurance, speaking about uh, NIA as well. So, interestingly, the next, um, I'm speaking about rating and the pandemic as well. Uh, the next, um, of course, next um, report we're going to be reviewing is um, Nigeria Liability Insurance for considering a new market. Now, the new market that they're considering is in terms of ensuring um, the pandemic as well as ensuring cyber security. Now, we've mentioned pricing and then we've mentioned um, rating as well. And then we mentioned, you know, the fact that insurance has, you know, uplifted the cost of reinsuring COVID-19. So what do you think this will do to the market? I mean, cyber security is huge. Ensuring a pandemic is also very huge, judging by the way our books are. But it seems like the Nigerian Liability Insurance Pool has seen a, how like we know, they are seeing opportunities in the market. A good idea. I've always been of the opinion that insurance should not run away from risks. Rather, we should embrace risks. You know, but over time, insurance industry, the insurance industry has uh, tried to have been very um, conservative. They don't, they don't, they have a lot of, they, they don't want to take risks. And they are used to running away from risk instead of running at risk. You know, when you see an opportunity where, oh, we can make money from covering this risk only if we rate appropriately. And I think the reason why that has been over time, why most insurance companies in Nigeria try to run away from risk instead of accepting new risk, it has always been because of this problem of providing adequate rating. In, uh, in Nigeria, we've just been doing textbook insurance. Six per meal, six per meal, six per meal, six per meal. 100 years old, six per meal. 50 years old, six per meal. Two years old, six per meal. Just follow so that you get the business. So because of that mentality, you're afraid of rating. You, you don't, you're not thinking like a risk person anymore. Because as a risk person, you're thinking, I can take that risk. If I can get the right rate that will make me break even, and this person is willing to pay for it, I can take that risk. And that's what you have abroad. You have cases of footballers, yet they are insuring somebody's leg for millions yes, of dollars. Yes. They are insuring somebody's exactly. Yeah. So you see, you see those 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 are risks that okay. It was even recently that it even came up again that pandemic insurance has is already was already in existence abroad where Wimbledon claimed over many you know, how many yeah. years those guys would have been paying premium before they finally got to claim this time they never knew they would have actually been in, they were just but somebody an insurance company took that risk and has made a lot of money over time from that risk already. Even, so now I'm sure this claim they are even paying is just a fraction of whatever they had made over time from Wimbledon or, uh, or on the pandemic insurance. So um, the pandemic insurance is not new, but the question is: Are we ready to rate appropriately? We are not going to take a pandemic insurance, have pandemic insurance policy now, and then one broker comes and says, "Okay." I'm sharing this thing now. We're going to rate. You know, NICOM is not going to likely regulate pandemic insurance. Yes. Like yes. So now every every insurance company has a freedom to rate accordingly. So that's going to be a challenge. Many insurance companies, because you, you are not sure what your next person is going to do. Some people might be rating 0. 0.0000, which was the case during group life before pandemic. They are rated as bad as 0. 0.00001 something per meal. And it's terrible. So you might be having things like that because every other um, insurance uh, risk that is not under mandatory uh, rating, you discover that they are rated ridiculously low. Let me give an example. I read, I had an opportunity to, you know, I met a client for uh, a car insurance cover and, mm-hmm. you know, I told the man, I said, okay, look, standard comprehensive cover should be at least 5%. But because of competition, companies are doing 3%. Yes. They are doing 2.5%. And I told this guy, it's okay, look, I'm, I've spoken with my underwriters and I think I can get you 3%. I think plus excess. And the guy tells me, uh, well, I have somebody else in another insurance company and he to give me 1.5%. I said, sir, wow. with excess, he said, yes. 
Wow. I said, okay, with that, I think it was going, yeah, because I, because I was ready, I had to go and fight and fight, and I was able to get him. I said, okay, I can give you 2.5, sir, because the value of your car is good. I can give you 2.5, and you have good history from what you know. I said, and when I doubted him, he was chatting with the person from the other insurance company in my presence, and he gave me the mail the person sent to me, and I looked at it. I said, let me see it. I'm sure, sir, I know that's kind of person is saying something else to you. I took it and I read plus excess. I think it was 1.5 or 2% plus excess for a comprehensive insurance of an SUV. And you're, you're wondering, <laughs> that's, that's basically like nothing. A claim now and his wife's off whatever premium we have collected. Yeah. So that's what we are having in the insurance. Yeah, so now you, you are doing it. You don't want to go into a pandemic insurance pool. Fine. But what happens? Are we going to rate appropriately? That's the issue. And if you don't rate appropriately for something like a pandemic that can wipe out... We all see the figures of COVID-19 right now. It's crazy. Even if it can wipe out thousands and then one or two insurance companies can be, you know, these uh, multiple casualties. You know, it can be a catastrophe uh, kind of uh, claim. It can be, you know, it, and if that happens, how do you cover appropriately? I just hope uh. we know what we are doing and we <laughs> agree to do the right thing so we don't run all the insurance companies down. If we are going to do a pandemic cover, fine. But let's do it right. That's what I feel. Let's do it right. Okay, and uh, I'd like on the pandemic and the cyber security insurance. With the insurance company willing to, willing to do it, yes. Will they do it right? Maybe. Do they have the technical stuff to do it? I'm not sure. sure. Even in this country, a pandemic, yes, we may be able to do it because it's just ensuring a pandemic. But I'm mean, not you have another pandemic thing, like let's say another hundred years time, but. For the cyber security, we need a lot of technical experts there. And mm. we have that in this country, yes. But are we willing to go to our routes the way we do our underwriting here? I don't think so. Because I, I, mean, yeah, I mean, sorry, sorry, but it's, 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 it's a risk that actually even faces insurance companies themselves. The cyber risk is something that affects a lot of businesses. And the truth of the matter is that if you now look at the market today now, you are seeing that for example, now the government itself in Nigeria is pushing towards okay, agri uh, business and also SMEs uh, now. And SMEs are, are part of the they are the largest contributor to uh, to the country's country's uh, revenues, right? And some of these um, cybersecurity threats are things that they, they struggle with. Is that not enough opportunity for insurance companies to say, okay, yes, we don't have the technical expertise on cybersecurity and all those things. Like, why not we partner with uh, with people who have those expertise and bring that knowledge into how we provide some of these um, products? Um, I agree with you. We need, we need the technical expertise. But, and I agree with you, we can be, we, it's a good area for us to tap in. But my, my concern is, if we are going to do it right, Mm. Are the customers willing to pay the right premium? If I want to do it right as company A, mm. and I want to do everything right, but mm. am I looking at a rate of let's say ten percent or let's say ten percent will be some value want to ensure? Mm. And company is willing to do it for one percent. So are you telling me I'm willing to do it right as an as a company or as as a customer I'm willing to pay the right price? So it's just it's just uh, it's just that's just the cons- my own personal concern for the. Cyber security because cyber security you need expertise, you need data. We have those data, but can we analyze those data in this country? Yes, but we need to. I'm not too sure. You can, you can, you can say a, a website is down due to maybe a cyber hack. Mm. We have expertise to prove that, that this this cyber is hacked. But we sure it's not, it's not the owner of the site that is bringing down the site just to claim. So this. There are many issues we, we, we need to address. Tech is, cyber security is very technical. It goes beyond just hacking, um, firewalls and everything. You, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that have to go, go into, into, into come in place. But are we willing to do that in this country? I'm not sure. Are the customers willing to pay the right price? I'm not too sure. Are the insurance companies willing to do, 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 do the right thing? That's not something that is certain. 
for the pandemic is good. We can ensure pandemics, but most of us we still have to go to back to the insurance because we don't be able to pay up to as much as much as possible that we have. Most businesses mm. are fail. I will eventually make loss this year, and their business interruption can cover cover the loss because pandemic actually the the, the, the main focus of their business the is, is excluded. So mm. it's not it's it's not even the main clause of their mm. business interruption. So yeah. we need to we need to look we need to look at it very well, and we need to we don't we don't just rush rush into it. We need to take up and see if this thing is actually it's possible. We can't do it, but. And the customer, are the customers willing to pay the price? That is it. Even the normal, even the normal non-compulsory insurance that we do, are we charging the right rates? Because of those, mm-hmm. are, those are compulsory that the, the government, government through NICOM is setting a standard or a minimum rate. Those that they don't have a minimum rate, people beat as as much as they want to do. Like most of them, people do it as as much as, as they want to do. She mentioned it. Who do one percent for a car? You know that uh, third party is five is comprising five thousand. So we even, can even do it for one thousand for you if it's possible. So it's um, just it just it, it, at the, the industry itself. Are we willing? NIA will say okay, they will all go to NIA and agree this. At the end, a member of the, the same NIA will still go back and do something else. Can NIA enforce their member to do those things? No. We need to get it right because if we don't get it right, we get ourselves burnt. Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health, where we're working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways, microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on InsurTech Business Series, where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. Talking about NIA, so we have an headline that says that, um, you know, they, they've appointed a new chairman who happens to even be the current uh, managing director, I mean, group managing director of Cornerstone Insurance PLC. Um, what do you think that um, Ghani Musa, who, who is the now, um, cur- I mean, who is the current chairman, would do differently in terms of, I mean, you mentioned NIA enforcing some of this, um, you know, um, rules and regulations on their member companies. What do you think that Ghani Musa would likely do in terms of moving that particular association forward? Um, I've worked. I've worked with Kanasu for uh, for like three years plus, and I've worked with Ghani Musa a few periods, and I know he's a very intelligent and smart individual. He is seasoned professional and. Someone that has a lot of experience. For NIA, NIA goes beyond the chairman. It has to do with the members, the commitment of its members. It's not just the, it's not just being a member, the commitment of the members. The members need to do the not do the talking, like not just talk the talk, work the work, work the talk. Like when you agree on something, let it be the agreement. We, we, we've seen businesses where they will go to NIA and agree that okay, these businesses will have to jack up the rate because of the yes. because of the loss ratio. And yes. still, and still, a member of NIA will still go back and cut down these current rates that is even giving the a bad loss ratio. So is is it, it has to do with a lot of commitments? NIA is an association of insurer. There's no compulsion in the people. They're just people are just members just to be members. They're not really members with, and if Nikon says this is the minimum rate, you know, when you do it, is that a fine or there's, there's something else you are going to, like, there is a sanction for it. But if there is no sanction as a member of your association, when you agree on something and you go back to do the opposite, it should, it should, that, should, that should be one of the things that you put in place as an as NIA. You should be able to do, do things in a way that at least when a member go against their desired, um, the agreed, ag- agreed agreement. It should be a kind of a sanction to that. Even, the even reason why I asked for chairman is because, okay, so you know that um, most times when we always talk about risk management, we see it has to be a tone from the top, right? I mean, if I'm able to drive those um, sanctions, those regulations, those um, if I'm able to drive those changes in the industry, it has to come from a top 
person. Like I, I, um, most times people will say we need to speak to the chairman to hear what he has to say. This is apart from the DG. Even the DG will probably get, you know, um, would answer to the chairman. And that was probably where I brought the chairman. But like you rightly said, yes, um, it is beyond the chairman. It is more of the member. The commitment. Thank you, Abdullahi. Um, Tamala, Sean, do you have um, contributions? Abdullahi really said a few things that, I mean, I was here, I was just you know, shaking my head. I said, okay, that's the truth, right? There are a lot of things that NIA can do, right, in terms of you know, moving the industry forward. They have perfectly placed to move the industry forward. And the truth is, there has to be a buy-in by all members of the association to achieving set goals, you know. So yes, now we have a, a new uh, man at the helm. So we know that uh, the previous person, Topper Smart, uh, I mean, during his time, that we saw the the Ask NID, you know, the yeah. plans for the uh, awareness, insurance awareness. I don't know. Yes. That started off and then that died down after some time again. We've now heard about uh, we heard that there I mean insurance companies members would contribute and there will be a, a, a general you know awareness around the country so that people know about insurance and stuff like that that's we have not seen so much uh, about you know so but so maybe Shane maybe you can share your thoughts as regards what else you'd expect from the new man and you know where NIA could really play a huge role. Now I'm working with Ganil now for uh, this. Is uh, my GMD, and um, I had to I've, I've had to hear him speak, and we are we have been we are directly under him, and we've seen what uh, the man like Ganil stands for. Uh, over time, even when before Ganyu became president of the NIA, I think it was the secretary, and um, in the in the course of that period, you notice how uh, for us in Cornerstone, we we were always complying with whatever was agreed in NIA. So that shows commitment that he had. Or he had always had to that organization. So regardless of whether other companies, in fact, there's a word most brokers used to say then to Cornerstone. Cornerstone, you have eaten a lot. Because people have eaten, that's why you can be rejecting business based on certain things. Those that are not eating, they collect it. Uh, because their values, beyond things, these are, there should be values that you stand for. And if there's anything I know, I know Ghani Musa stands for certain values. And one of such values is strict adherence to whatever has been agreed uh, as a body. And I, I, when the NIA, for instance, agreed that there must be no rider that is free. Because like I mentioned earlier, the company started trying to give out free riders to put a good line because there are expenses free and all this there's an agreement in NIA that it should not happen and Cornerstone stood its ground all through that period and that was because of the influence of Ghani Musa now that is a value thing for those that have gone through Cornerstone will see that it's a value that's always been a value value issue for so for someone like Ghani Musa what do you stand for now, knowing what he stands for and the kind of uh, his, his thought process over time, you will know that he's somebody who has the resolve to go there and try as much as possible to ensure that all members have that general agreement. Now, one of the weaknesses of the NIA I've observed is that when they say where there is no um, law, there's no one, no one uh, is right. Everybody, everything is right where there is no law. Now the truth is, to what extent can NIA enforce anything on any insurance company? Mm. 
if the worst they can do is to say they will fine you as a member mm. and then okay you don't pay you don't pay the fine they say okay you are no member no more a member of NIA oh fine but if I am no longer a member of NIA does it stop me from getting into business does it does it prevent me from having my operating license no mm. because you know, that's why you will see insurance you know they said um, you must uh, how do they say that in the government like power must you must be backed by sanction that you must be there must be a force Mm. That, that sanction force that says, okay, if you are unable, if you do not abide by these things, I have the capacity and authority to do something that could adversely affect you. And the question is, does NIA have that power? No. Because mm. NICOM is the only regulatory body for insurance in Nigeria that is capable of revoking your license and saying you can't practice and so people will bow under NICOM's legislation than under the NIA. So under the NIA, is the NIA center is weak. The, the components are more powerful, which is why I think Abdullah stressed the fact that it is beyond the chairman. It is the ability of everyone, each individual member, coming together with the agreement that take it or leave it mm. we will stand by this principle whether we lose the business or we get it you know but the, um, that stiff, stiffness of competition among insurance companies would not allow that to happen because there's this a uh, silent beef let me use that word silent beef because you discover uh, we not only fight with trades, but we hold information from each other. Mm. It also makes it difficult to get accurate data mm. for certain things that you need. For instance, now, certain times you may never even be able to know the claim history of, of mm. somebody who is coming into your own books mm. because you cannot go and ask another fellow uh, insurer, like, oh, this guy, we heard he was mm. under your books. How was the claim? How was the claim history during that period? Because somebody does not want to release information, or because somebody is afraid of the business being stolen away from mm. Mm. Oh, you can't ask your fellow insurer, guy, what rate did you use? How did you rate for this quote? Because you can't even trust the information they will give you. They can tell you, I rated that eight per mil on this policy. So you say, oh, if this person rated eight, I will rate eight. You rate eight, and then you hear that person got the business, and then you ask one mm. person rated at six, and you are wondering, like, but we are supposed to trust each other. Mm. As long as there's that um, that lack of trust and that competition amongst members of NIA, it will be difficult because NIA does not have the power to stop anybody from business. The Cornerstone today is no longer a member of the NIA. It does not stop Cornerstone from operating. Mm. It doesn't stop Cornerstone from getting businesses. As long as Cornerstone is still working well within the EMS and the, uh, of uh, NICOM regulation. Mm. So that's a big issue. But I see Ghanaian Mostar as one who is politically sound. You know, NI is a political body. <laughs> like it or not. So I feel he may be able to convince his fellow MDs, you know, and try and I see him as somebody who is able to play that kind of politics. And he might just be able to play it so well that they may get other insurance companies to buy in and probably reach a kind of agreement that allows everybody to benefit. There must be something as an insurance company that will make me not want to lose membership of NIA. Yes. So, so if, 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 um, if Ghani Musa can come up with something like that, that, oh, being a member of the NIA, you know, I don't want to, there must be something I don't want to lose as an insurance company. It is that thing that will now make NIA be able to say, we sanction you for going against our agreement. And somebody will say, oh, I don't want NIA sanction, no. Let me do what I'm supposed to do. Because I don't want to lose this benefit that I'm benefiting from the NIA. So I think as of now, NIA has not been able to get that particular 
benefit that says, oh, I'm a member of NIA, and that is why I am benefiting this as an insurance company, and I cannot afford to lose this. But if Yannick Musa can find that thing that that makes you want to stay in the NIA as as a member and be subject to sanctions, that is only when the sanctions will work. The only reason why anybody is obeying NICOM regulations is because you know that NICOM can revoke your license. They nothing more. Not because they like to follow rules or because they love NICOM. So that's just it. If Ghani Musa can find that connecting factor that will keep everybody wanting to be a member of NIA, uh, that is when sanctions will apply and sanctions will work. That is when NIA can agree on something and then everybody will follow. It's a Nigerian factor. And um, Abdullah mentioned something about um, consumers being willing to pay for certain kinds of insurance, especially like cyber security. The truth is that Nigerian factor, we have fake third party and your 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 uh, FISC guy doesn't even know uh, how to even check sometimes. Mm. Fake marine insurance, fake mm. Now you want to buy a car, you take it to the local government guy, he gives you an insurance, he does everything together for you for 5,000 and I'm building insurance. And, you are, and the insurance third party, you have a third party insurance, you go on the road, you show them your fake third party insurance. You don't even know you can even claim on it. So you don't see the value or the essence to have the insurance in the first place. So it all boils down to the society at large at the end of the day. You know, abroad they pay so much for insurance. But here, we are not willing to pay because we have an alternative, which is the fake one, of course, and then nobody is sanctioning for the fake one. So it's a broader thing. It's, a, it's economic, it's political. Ah, I wish Mr. Ghani well, though. I, I, I wish him well, really. I mean, we all do. We, we expect nothing but the best. Okay, yeah. So we'll briefly talk about uh, recapitalization, right? Is the buzzword around the industry at the moment. That's, that's, that's the yes. front burner, especially with the whole um, COVID-19 pandemic. Like, yes. how exactly will it affect recapitalization in the long run? Definitely moving the, the deadline forward, yes. But what's the outlook in terms of the insurance industry? What are you seeing that could be the situation come 2021? Shion? First of all, let's just say thank God for COVID a little bit. At least it, uh, it enables some insurance companies to buy time. Even though we don't know how much I'm able to, the, uh, how impactful that, uh, how advantageous that will be. Um, basically, the capitalization is, is good. Uh, you have insurance companies that are stronger to handle claims. But where I've always had issues with this, NICOM's ideology of recapitalization is I'd always felt that it should be more of a risk-based um, recapitalization than financial-based because anybody can quote but it was risk based and you know they um I mean most insurance companies were the ones that probably went to sue um Nikon saying that the timeline was small and um, you know the fear of being segmented in tier based um didn't make any sense as uh, most of them might lose businesses to their competitors so uh, are we yeah. going to blame Nikon again no you know the then even at then the tier based system was still not risk based it was um, based on your capital it was based on capital base just as it is now just that then depending on your capital level they rate you they break you into tiers unlike now that it's okay everybody recapitalize if you are doing this business if you don't meet up with this you cannot handle this then they were ready to like okay we put you on tier one yeah on tier two based on your current capital base which is more like your assets your investment portfolio, what you have as a company. So for instance, now, if I have assets worth uh, 2 billion, I will add it to my total premium, my rights on it. So it's more about how much you have, just like we have for the banks. But for insurance, it's typically different where it is the capacity of an insurance company to hold risk that should be monitored, as far as I'm concerned, not the amount of assets 
it has because one claim can wipe out that asset. One claim that is not properly, that is not properly, um, what's the word now? That is not properly rated or probably properly reinsured. You have situation, you've had situation of insurance companies that have been wiped off by one single aviation claim because yes. they refuse to reinsure it. So all the two billion or eight billion or ten billion can be wiped out by a single claim, and there will be no money to pay if reinsurance is bad. So I felt Nikon would focus more on the risk capacity of each insuring insurance company rather than the capital base of the insurance company. That's my own issue with that. But otherwise, well, they decided how they want to do it. And um, I know by September 20, a lot of companies had already started uh, meeting the necessary criteria already, even before the end of the year. So this may just allow a lot of companies to take their time a little more. And for those that had not met, had not already met up, they will just quickly finalize their measures, their acquisitions, and their... Um, um, sale of shares and all that to meet up with. So, but I think do or die, there will still be that significant, a little difference than what we have currently. And maybe that will prompt people into trying to rate better to, to get better premium and have more money in their coffers. All right. So, Abdullahi, I mean, what do you have to say as regards, yes, uh, recapitalization, or in terms of now they're bringing you're pumping in more money yes but then those investors will be asking for returns right so how easy is it going to be for insurers even as we are yes we are even, even even before the before the pandemic it's going to be a very difficult year for insurance company because like i said earlier most of them still depend on investment income to make the bottom line profits Mm. So it's not easy with the CBA regulation this year. Most investment that the rate has crashed and everything, yeah. even before the pandemic. So coming to the fact that you are looking, you are looking for more money, mm-hmm. it's not it won't be easy because insurance is not a business that turns out more turnover in terms of profit compared to other forms of investment that that outside for investors, banks chunk out a lot of a lot of returns mm-hmm. you can see that from the FBN uh, holdings using to take, take off uh, the insurance from their portfolio mm-hmm. they are one of the answers to salam so it's, it's really a, a big decision for insurance company now first like Sean said it should have been a risk-based um capitalization not the not, the, not even the tier that was introduced initially and this current one Although this current one is, is a bit fine, at least most companies will meet it up. They are even working towards meeting it up. Just, and um, some possible as the obvious, there might still be some possible major. It's not too late to say that. And um, let's just hope this, although there's still a target for this year, and most of them might meet the target for this year, but the ultimate target is still, is still next year, um, September. And um, still a long while. If business banks back by the end of the year, these people might spring up more more money by the end of next year, and we will have a new capital base for most of the companies. But the fact is that we can't continue to do business the same way we are doing business to have that same mm. that same um, capital base. We have to we have, because new investors that will come in will be willing to get a return on their investment because. Mm. These days now, invest you can't you can't afford to keep your investment for too long. Mm. Have to you need investment that will turn out profitable in in the, in the shortest period of time. And insurance doesn't really look so because of our expenses and our claims, other another another cause that we incur. So I feel the, for the risk based, we should you still go back to the risk based because the risk based is still the best. Not the risk based introduced initially, like you said, a company that has. A capital or an asset of seven billion, Nikon should say, okay, your the maximum sum insured you can have for any policy should be mm. like, let's say two billion. Mm. So you get in that when you even you even bring in a business of seven billion, you know regularly that you you have to what you can retain maximum is two billion. 
So mm. either you fuck it out, either mm. you give it to other people as co-insurers. So in that way, the one that they introduced initially was going to demarcate some companies, which was which was which was not good business wise. So they would mm. have brought in individual company who have their own limits. Mm. It, it might just be the companies, it might just be Nikon and the company that will understand that limit. Everybody at the end of the year will have their own limits. So it will be between the company and Nikon. So if someone that has 30 billion, may I say you may tell him to put his limit as five billion, my mm. store that has three billion can say okay, your limit for any submission card should be not more than two billion. So in that way, there's even a claim, you know mm. that at least you can sustain the company and still pay that pay those claims. So it's yeah. just that's what's the true risk base is not um the one of tier one, tier two, you can't do this business, can't do this business. Even as we are today, there are some co- some insurance companies do some business they can't even take. They end up mm, taking it abroad. Yeah. 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 Risk and right. So if if we, yeah, so why not let everybody do the business they can do? Just within yourself and, and the company, you know this is the limit they can they can go. So in that way when there's any any issue, you you know how to go around, around this with the company. So it should be a, a more of a weeks based, not even yeah or let's say the the one the one that the one that is favorable for most of the companies, but it's still not what we need because people will still collect businesses and they will fail to insure or fail to fuck it out because you think it the claim claim will not occur. Guys, thank you very much for your time. I mean, it's been wonderful having you guys on our podcast. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, Abdullah, you. you've really done well. And same as Oluwashion. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you so much. All right, welcome back to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation with, um, of course, myself, Damola Abdullahi and Oluwashion. I really want to appreciate you guys for coming on you know, to the podcast, even with the short notice. Thank you very much. So um, what, were, what were your take home, Damola? One thing that... Um you can see for sure is that the younger generation is very much interested in how well the industry is going to grow, right? And we really want to get more involved. And the truth of the matter as well is that the way it is now is not favorable, right? That things have to change. Things have to be improved upon uh, there are a lot of stakeholders that I mean, we talked about during the conversation who mm-hmm. need to come to the table and actually stand up and do something. You know, mm-hmm. the insurers, NIA, the regulator. You know, so there are a lot of things that need to be straightened out. And like, I mean, the reason why we put up this uh, podcast is to encourage some of these conversations so yeah we are happy to to be a part of all these conversations and we definitely will continue to do that what even stood out for me in all of this conversation was the overrating thing you know mm. um, if at all we are going to be penetrating new markets if we're yeah. going to be looking at other aspects of the business then mm. if we don't get the rich right like they they both mm. said that I don't think there's a need for us to penetrate those markets. We can't keep cutting rates the way we do it for other um, you know, other insurance businesses and mm. expect a different results when we are penetrating new markets with that same mentality or the mm. same. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think for me that was even what stood out in all of these. Yes, yeah. it's not it's not realistic really. Yeah, it's not realistic because it tells in the future. You know, you might not be making the people might not be making claims now, but five years, ten years down there. Look at the example of, uh, of 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 Wimbledon. This year they're making the claim. Look at that. You know, so mm-hmm. you're not you're collecting premium now to make uh, claim payments in the future, and that could be mm-hmm. a huge claim, right? So it's important that we have that understanding. And one thing that I think was Shimon that said, uh, you know because of the way the rating things has been, you know, it's, it's easy for us to not see ourselves as risk managers anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's more like, let's just do better than the other insurance company. 
again it was really a good conversation to have especially um as you know i mentioned earlier from fresh perspective you're looking at people that um are in the industry now that are like we say the youth are the future of uh-huh. you know, <laughs> either if anything either the country or you know legacies and all of that yeah but yes it's just it's just good that we've had this conversation with you know um this young veterans in the industry and how they perceive the industry so far which i think it's a good one so part of the things that we are uh, encouraging is constant development of insurance professionals right and the fintech uh, ngr as the fintech association of nigeria has put together yeah. a training session uh, for insurance professionals right and it's like we said we really encourage that people begin to reskill you know upskill you know learn unlearn and relearn oh, it's really. a daily thing things have changed we have been talking about digitization and this and that enabling emerging technologies you have to learn about some of these technologies and see how they can help you do your job better they're not going to take away your job but they're going to help you to do your job better so we're encouraging you to be a part of that if you want more information about um the uh, program of getting to be a part of it you can go on to our linkedin page as insurtech business series uh as our linkedin page and, and then our check twitter. out the information there and on twitter as well at insure365 right thank you very much we really enjoyed that session today and i hope you did so take care and you have you. a lovely week bye